When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Get to the Good Part. My name is Ryan, and with me today uh, are a couple of people uh, that I'm really excited to talk to. As always, we have Aaron with us today. Aaron, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. All right. And our special guest today from the community, if you're into Ready Player One and you follow anything Ready Player One on Twitter, the subreddit, you know this guy's Golf Machine Golf. What's up, man? Hey, hey. It's good to be here. Hello, hello. Uh, Chris is actually not here today. He had a last minute uh, problem with his Oasis rig, so we're going to let him slide for this week. Um, this week, Aaron and I are both drinking. That's right. Yeah. I'm Ranji on the rocks. <laughs> is it Gl- well, well, you're the you're the expert here. Aaron. Is it Glenn Morangi or is it Glenn Morangi? It's actually neither of those. It's Glenn Morangi. Uh, Mr. Will Wheaton gets it wrong. Uh, it is... If there, you can actually go on YouTube and you can find a series of videos done by a um, a Scottish actor person who just he's just reading off names of the distilleries. And uh, if you find uh, Glenn Morangy, you'll hear how you know an indigenous person would say it. Do you want to take a swing at an impression there? <laughs> <laughs> just Glenn Morangy. <laughs> I should know that after you've talked about it so many times. Have I talked about it that many times? <laughs> well, just just in the lead up to this. Oh yeah, true. Because yeah. we wanted to make sure that we had it on deck and everything like that. So, all right. Well, today we are talking about chapter eighteen, um, a chapter that begins with an invitation from Mister Ogden Morrow himself. Uh, he's actually going to be hosting his birthday party at the Distracted Globe. Now, when uh, Wade is picking apart this invitation, he mentions that he sees, you know, the old gray, uh, the old gray wizard sitting there at the DJ booth, really getting into uh, whatever he's playing. And I think this is the first mention of the anti-Sixers logo, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Because if you look and, and when you, you know, which seems like kind of a small detail, but when you look at any fan made merchandise or anything like that, the Sixers logo, the anti-Sixers logo is uh is one that really stuck with people. Yeah, it took on a life of its own and somebody out there must have designed the original one that we always see everywhere. Uh so I want to give a an applause to that one. You know, the one that has a little dot in the middle of the six. But yeah. That logo but is it, everywhere. Isn't that the same font that's on the cover of the novel? I think it is. Yeah. But I don't I, I don't think it's like an official image or anything like that. I think that's just a fan made thing. I'm sure we'll see the official one in uh, in a few weeks. It'd be kind of cool to see because, like, there was that, uh, and I I forget the guy's name that did that really great fan, you know, that fan made image of Wade in the van Ooh, wearing that, like that, the flannel with the Flash T-shirt. Yeah, that one's great. I really feel like they took that piece of art into consideration when they made, you know, the stills that we've seen of the movie. You know what I mean? Because it's. It's pretty damn close. True, true. 
So I mean, the the fan inspiration there. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see how they how they uh, portray the uh, the anti Sixer logo in the movie when it finally comes out. It always used to seem so far away. Now it's like, oh my god, it's coming it's, up. It is coming fast. It's coming real fast. I mean, it, it seems like a day ago. It was the beginning of January. <laughs> it's just, oh, I'm I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait. This might be a good. This might be a good point to bring this up. Um, when we had originally started the podcast, uh, our intention was to wrap it up before the end of the movie. Uh, before, or excuse me, before the the movie debuted. Um, just basically, you know, with time and expectations being what they are, that's not going to happen at this point. <laughs> You're not going to wrap it up before the end of the movie. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, you know, we're, we've we've got a pretty consistent schedule going. I think we're going to stick with that. And uh, I think we're going to, you know, keep the show going beyond the release of the movie. Uh, that'll give us some time to do some episodes breaking down the movie. Uh, we'll probably give you a little bit of time um, before. Actually, maybe this is something we'll bring up on on Reddit and Facebook and Twitter and things like that. Because I'd be interested to see if people want like a breakdown of the movie right after or should we give it a week or two so that it, the people who can't see it right away don't feel tempted to just hit play on the podcast and see what it was all about. Plus it will give us more time to see it multiple times. Cause you know, that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll see it more than once for sure. I've already told my boss, like I'm that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a day <laughs> off right there. For me. <laughs> no question about it. All right. So uh, back to chapter 18 off of the movie. Um, we, we have a little bit of talk here from Wade. Um, talking about, you know, obviously he's he's set on going. Um, we learn here that the distracted globe lies in a PvP zone. Does that seem unnecessarily risky to you? As far as uh, Wade slash Parzival going? Well, but first of all, Wade, yeah, but why would they hold it in, or, you know, why wouldn't they, I mean, it's a, it's a magic zone. Og clearly is a god in the Oasis. So he could change it from, you know, a PvP zone to a, you know, a no combat zone. Why wouldn't he do that? Yeah, at least within the, the sorry, at least within the, the distracted globe itself. Right. It, it's an odd choice because uh, who's going to a club with the intent of whipping out their magic swords and their blasters with the intent to kill people? That It's just, it's bizarre. It's, you know what it seems like? <laughs> It seems like something I rock would do <laughs> to go there to like hurt somebody go there and hurt somebody. It's like, or start some shit. <laughs> I mean, he, he bring, you know, he, we heard how he walked into, you know, um, the basement, you know, a place that you can't hurt anybody. So what, what's, you know, what's the, it, it's odd. It is. I, I thought it was a really odd thing and, and they stick on it as a point for a while. I mean, like, of course, Wade has to make the decision as to whether or not he wants to go. Obviously there are risks involved. But it just seems like this here. Here's a year where, you know, in a, in a very short span of time, Wade has you know found the found the first key, right? Um, they're they're in the middle of finding the second key. Every you know, I mean, everybody's kind of keyed up. There's a lot of people on the board, and there's clearly some some friction going on. Uh, the Sixers are ramping up. They've already displayed that they're willing to do quite a bit to prevent other people from getting the egg. You know what I mean? As far as blocking off entire planets and things like that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, 
you know you've invited the five people who are the farthest along in the hunt, you know that there's going to be an altercation. You would have to guarantee that there would be an altercation, right? It's an invitation to an altercation. Basically. In some ways, I'm almost more, uh, I guess, disturbed by the fact that H is probably in his uh, televised uh, deathmatch thing. Why is he still doing those? <laughs> you mean as opposed to like going into the hunt and everything like that? Well, that and I mean, I would imagine that something that's a, a televised uh, deathmatch would actually be a PvP zone. Sure. So if he's competing in these things, he's putting himself at exceptional risk. Sure. But do you think that maybe, I don't know, maybe it's maybe you don't really die when you're in a competition like that. Where's the fun? I, never really, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, to have, your, to have your character just completely wiped out because you were participating in basically sport. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's a, it's a really good point, though, because it's, you know, why would you take that unnecessary risk? I mean, like, obviously there's risk involved for, for Wade to go to the distracted globe, but for, you know, it, it's, it's sort of like a flip of the coin. It's like, you know, they could show up, they could not, but if they do show up, there's going to be a lot of them and I'm in my dancing clothes. But like for, for H, he's going into a, a death match. The word death match is used. <laughs> Maybe his competitors in the death match are IOI's best. Maybe IOI is sending their best people to, to face up against him. I thought Why wouldn't they try that? Yeah, I thought, I thought that's another approach to try to uh, attack uh, with high five. It's like, okay, we know he's there every Friday. Let's send one of our best every week until we get him. That would be an excellent plot device, too. Just like set up almost like a gladiator type thing. Or, or you've got like, you know, just these different, key, you know, keyed up characters from IOI dropping into the arena deathmatch and Every you just week. watch, yeah, H just completely destroy them. <laughs> that would be pretty entertaining. <laughs> We're retconning here. <laughs> <laughs> that well, what we need is somebody to uh, fanfic it. That would yeah. be a good one. That would be a good, that would be a good premise to go off of. Just like, you know a few episodic tales of, of age in the middle of his death match. If it's anything like call of duty, I imagine it's not very romantic, but <laughs> a lot of, a lot of mom jokes and shit. <laughs> hopefully it's not, hopefully by 2045, we've, uh, we've graduated to a higher class of competitive online play. <laughs> Cause it is a dumpster fire right now. Anyways, <laughs> off topic. Um, you know, but as far as why H wouldn't become a full-time Gunter, I mean, I'm sure he's probably, he's probably already had endorsement deals with some of the companies that Parzival's getting endorsement deals with because he is like, uh, like Parzival said, like he's, he's a pretty well-established competitive online player. Yeah. I mean, so, it, so it, I mean, it could be that this is his primary source of income and he really can't not participate. That's what I'm thinking. You well, know I mean? He's probably. It seems like, sorry, it seems like the high five are very enterprising as soon as they give a ch get a chance. I mean, Artie has all of her deals. Uh, Parzival has all of his deals. Daito and Shoto, they have all their deals. They all become spokesmen or salesmen. They have their own cartoons. They're all in it for the money as soon as they get the chance. So they're kind of like the, uh, the YouTube stars of today. 
Yeah. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, we, we'll touch on that, um, I think, a little bit deeper in a couple chapters. Because they, um, they, they do kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll shelf that. Because the, the YouTube star thing is something that I definitely want to keep in our back pocket for a future discussion. Um, but but we've, got, we've got Wade in a moment where he's deciding whether or not he's going to make his way to uh, Neo-Noir to go to the Distracted Globe. Uh, it's a pretty quick decision, as far as I can tell. He doesn't mull over it for too long. <laughs> Before you know it, he's, uh, he's changing skins on his avatar and <laughs> trying to make sure his hair looks perfectly coiffed and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's if 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 he had any sort of reservation, it was gone nearly immediately. Uh, it could still be part of that uh, that facade that he's putting up for Artemis. How do you mean? Okay, in the last chapter, you know, he made a point of saying that he you know wanted to seem braver in her eyes and not like he like he didn't care about the risk of being ambushed by IOI. So right. maybe this is just the continuance of that just like hey fuck it i'm gonna go yeah yeah it, it does seem there is a, there is definitely an air of fuck it about him when it when it comes to making the decision and it's hard to tell like because he he talks about artemis because he emails artemis and asks if she's going like right away but it really seemed like his big decision point was i was invited to og's birthday of course i'm going like it seemed like it was more about og tomorrow than it was about artemis yeah yeah now that that does make sense, but if he really sat there and thought about it, I think any rational person would say, you know what, it may not be worth the risk. Maybe maybe just send Og, uh, uh, you know, thanks, but uh, maybe <laughs> not this gift. time. <laughs> what do you get, the guy that has everything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get, the guy who has lightning fingers? Who knows? I mean, uh, we'll talk about lightning fingers a little bit later. One of my favorite parts of the chapter. Uh, but yeah, like we said, uh, Wade resolves to go. Um, he's definitely going to go to the Distracted Globe on Neo-Noir. Um, this is a part of the chapter that bothered me a little bit. How so? He, refer- he said he's he's never been to the Distracted Globe before. And he said because the people that go there twinked out wannabe Gunter Uberdorks. Seems like kind of an asshole thing to say. <laughs> Very judgmental. <laughs> yeah, for for somebody who was a nobody up until about uh, five months ago. Right. You would think that there would be some perspective applied to how do you judge people. You know what I mean? <laughs> this could be another reference of saying how many people out there are not really gunters, and, it, and there's only really a few people who are hardcore. True. That's a good point. I get the it's just like rave kids. Like, you know, I mean, he sees them as just like, this is not my people. For the planet, the neo-noir, it represents, it embodies IROC, if IROC were a planet. Sort of. <laughs> At least the people who, who go to it is, is sort of what he's implying. But I do want to get into to neo-noir itself, because we get... Um, I think this is one of the better parts about this chapter is the world building here again. Uh, just the way he describes this city. I mean, you've got a pretty good, you know, picture painted. Um, also, as we approach the distracted globe, I will say that, you know, some of the more memorable parts of the trailer, one of the big memorable mm. parts of the trailer is in the distracted globe. And we'll point to it when we get there. But um, 
Wade dons the Buckaroo Bonsai suit, <laughs> which to me always looked like a looser fitting version of Pee Wee Herman's suit. <laughs> but so, so he 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 uh, he labors over this decision, and that's what he ends up with. <laughs> yeah, a baggy Pee Wee Herman suit. He says he just crams his inventory with every powerful weapon he has, which for good cause, I think. But what do you there. think? It's like if you have to pack that much stuff with you to go to this birthday party, you might think maybe this isn't the smartest move. <laughs> yeah, if you're ever yeah, here's here's a good rule in the Oasis and in life itself. If you're getting into your car and you have to pack an arsenal just in case, your destination might might need to be rethought. Yeah, you might want to reconsider your life choices. Yeah, <laughs> you're heading into a place you probably ought not be. Um, anyways, so he, he decides he's going to go, gears up, dresses up, and he's on his way to the PvP zone neo-noir. Uh, now, from the description, it says, you know, sky-high, um, sky-high uh, skyscrapers, things like that. Um, the description of it at this, uh, at this point reminded me of two different movies. It reminded me of Blade Runner. Mm. That was my first um, thought. And it, and it also reminded me of Fifth Element a little Ooh, bit. Yeah. With the flying cars and all that. Yeah, I, I I got that kind of feeling from it, and those movies I think fit pretty comfortably within the description of like that, yeah. That I, you know what they were going for when they built that planet. I think if you watched uh, Fifth Element with the brightness on your television set to like ten percent, I think you got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and a few like, some fewer like fewer colors too. Yeah, because I I just imagine it looking you know like just like that sort of like a you know a retro futuristic, you know, 1920s, you know, noir time in like LA, you know, like the movie Chinatown. Mm. Everything just looks wet all the time because it looks like it just rained for some reason. I kind of get an image of uh, that movie, Dark City. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And that, that fits, that fits. Yeah. That fits that description too. The reference he uses when he's sort of relating neo-noir to something else, he doesn't say Blade Runner, he doesn't say any of those movies. Mm. He says Neuromancer, which if you're on the Ready Player One subreddit and you get out of, you you know, you finish, this happens probably three times a week where somebody finishes Ready Player One and they're like, oh my God, what do I, I read need next? more. What do I read next? And almost every time, if not every time, someone will say Neuromancer. Yeah, I think that one's still on my to read list. I didn't know what it was. I had to. I didn't know if it was a movie or a book. So uh, I agree with you. It's I mean, yeah, it's, it's been a Gibson, while, right? Uh, it, it is Gibson. It's yeah. William Gibson. Who I think is uh, in the infamous list of uh, authors in Chapter Six. There was a book that I read that was suggested as a reasonable follow up to Ready Player One, and I cannot think of the title offhand. I am gonna. Um, try to search for it right now but it had something to do with uh uh a pizza delivery guy oh uh i have read that one that is snow crash ah that's it snow crash by neil stevenson that's it yep uh, which yeah. i have to say i was not a real fan of that book. did you you read it or I did, did you do the audiobook i read it uh um i think i actually read read it um with uh, Dead Tree Media. <laughs> and yeah, I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't follow it. Uh, it's a bit but... different. And it, it's funny too, because like it's it's sort of like satire because the 
the like the main character's name is hero protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like H I R O protagonist. <laughs> but back to back to Neuromancer being, you know, his reference point for what Neo Noir is supposed to look like. Um He's uh, he's cruising up to the distracted globe. Now, what do we want to cover first here? Do we want to cover what the globe looks like, or do we want to cover uh, what he's writing in? Well, uh, first I'll say that every time I read this, I just kind of thought, ah, distracted globe, that's a pretty cool name, right? Didn't think much of it. But uh, in getting ready for the podcast, I was like, well, let's see if this exists anywhere else on the interwebs. And uh, it actually does. Well, not so much on the interwebs, but in uh, literature. It's from Hamlet, of all places. Mm. And, uh, Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 5. Remember thee, I, thou, poor ghost, whiles memory holds a seat in this distracted globe. Remember thee. So uh, if I read Hamlet, it was a long fucking time ago, so I've n- I had no <laughs> idea what the fuck is going on in this scene. But uh, no fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, the internet had an idea. So... What's going on in this scene is that he's talking with the ghost of his father. And Distracted Globe is actually referencing that the globe is his head. So uh, what I took from that was a couple things. One, the whole idea of the Distracted Globe, Distracted Head thing could just be a, a subtle nod to the fact that Parzival has been so distracted to the hunt because of Artemis. That was one place I was going with that. Uh, the other thought was, you know, this is this is Og's uh, Og's club, and distracted globe is is a reference to the scene in Hamlet where Hamlet is talking with the ghost of his father. So I'm like, maybe the distracted globe is sort of like this uh, a conduit or portal thing between uh, Parzival and the ghost of Halliday and that Og is kind of that link between the two. Oh, okay. That links back to our, uh, our level one discussion too about the great, you know, the greater importance of Halliday's character within the book. I I thought that was, uh, it was pretty cool to find out that distracted globe was more than just a nifty little name that Ernest Klein came up with. And, uh, then just all the, the delving into it. It was like, Hmm, pretty neat. You know what? Even if he didn't intend that and he just thought Distracted Globe sounded cool, if I were him, I'd totally be like, yeah, that's what it was about. Yeah, why not? <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's what I meant to do that, because that is cool. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it almost seems like like that comparison, in, you know, when you're, when you're retconning and stuff like that, you can go back and, you know, you can, you can make up pretty much anything you want and make those connections, and it sounds great. But that one almost seems so intentional you know what i mean yeah from this just just this small you know this small piece of hamlet <laughs> this one line this is definitely one of those questions we have to ask ernie yeah should we get the opportunity we'll see um but yeah so so he's cruising up to the distracted globe now the distracted globe is a a pretty interesting feature of the planet it hangs above the ground and is obviously as it, as it suggests it's it's a giant sphere it's a globe and there's a crystal staircase leading up to it you enter from the bottom of the globe 
Um, I don't know what kind of runway they have for the cars coming in, because it almost sounds like a red carpet situation when Parzival arrives in his, of course, DeLorean. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And not just any, not just any tune, not just any DeLorean. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, it's basically a tricked out DeLorean, uh, that resembles the one that Ernest Klein himself owns (laughs) in real life. Um, you guys want to, so, so I guess I'm trying to remember all the features of it. It's got kits lights on the front. Yep. Um, it's got a non-operational flux capacitor. So don't worry about any nuclear meltdowns or anything happening from it. It's, not it's, it's got the oscillation over thruster, which lets it, uh, travel, uh, through solid matter. Is that from something? That's I think that's yes, from, that's, uh, that's, that's, right? that's right. Is it? I I've still haven't seen Bucker Bonsai. Yeah, me neither. I, and I was noticing, I was uh, double-checking, the license plate is Ecto-88, which I think is, we know is perfect, but the license plate in Bucker Bonsai is Rocket-88. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So it's just a combination of the two things. Yeah. Because it's also got the Ghostbusters logo on the doors. Yep. The Man, that's cool. doors. That's so badass. <laughs> But what he uh, so so in addition to being a PvP zone, uh, this is also a magic zone which we've covered in previous chapters. And magic zones in the Oasis, um, you can cast spells, you can do all kinds of you know mind bending kind of stuff. Um, and there are a lot of perks to that. One of which is instead of having to secure his car, like uh, like Mad Max, he can just shrink it and put it in his pocket. Which is, I, I don't know why, but, but after the first time I read the book, that was one of the things that stuck with me pretty heavily. Because <laughs> I thought it was just so cool that you could just shrink your car and put it in your pocket. Yeah, I just kind of picture him like pulling his, his, uh, his pocket and then just dropping it in like nothing. Yeah. I could see that like, in the like film. Like a Hot Wheels. I could see that in the film. Oh, yeah. It's got to be because it's such a cool visual. But little did the Sixers know all they had to do is just like, you know, cast a spell to make it grow again, <laughs> they would have been able to take out Parzival right away. So if they make a um, uh, a Hot Wheels-sized DeLorean that looks like what he's describing, I'm buying that shit. Oh, oh they better. They better. They've got to have a Hot Wheels version of the Ecto-88. Oh, that'd be so awesome. How <laughs> awesome would that be for Ernie to be like, yeah, that's my car. What about a mo- own that I- I'm old school. I like model kits. I'd like to assemble that thing myself with a revel kit or a model making kit. That would be sweet. Yeah. Or like, you know, they'll probably have, well, I don't know. It depends on how well the movie does, but remote control cars, things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously you can't make it shrink, but. Man. Or can they? Or can they? <laughs> they Steven can make Spielberg's those. Spielberg's doing some crazy shit. But they can. They can print it out onto that uh, shrinky dink stuff. You can color it in and then put it in your <laughs> oven. <laughs> and then carry it around in your pocket. Is that what that was called? Shrinky dink? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It was shrinky dinks. Oh, man. Yeah. But uh, so, so yeah. So they're at the Distracted Globe now. Um, this is, as you're reading through the book and everything like that, there's so much going on that I think the first couple times I read the book, I kind of glossed over how the globe works. Um, if you've ever seen 2001, a space odyssey, the XD one is the, is there interplanetary interstellar ship um, that looks like a giant wheel. 
one of the first scenes on that ship is him running and he's running around the wheel but he's always got the you know the ground below him um he's never you know it never appears from his perspective like he's on the ceiling of this thing he's just in constant rotation the outer walls of the sphere are 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 the ground so anywhere you walk you feel like you're on flat surface when in fact you may be on the side of the sphere, the top of the sphere, the other side of the sphere. It's just kind of cool. But it, it did remind me of that scene from, uh, from 2001 Space Odyssey. Well, the scale of it also makes it more believable. It's three kilometers diameter. That's, that's a city. That's huge. That's so, huge. Yeah, so three kilometers, if you're in the inside, it's, it's, it's going to look flat. <laughs> yeah. And it would, yeah, it's, it's sort of just like, I, I almost imagine it looking like uh, an inception when the, when the streets start, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like folding up. Like, I imagine it kind of being like that, only a bar. <laughs> yeah, it, even though it's that big, I still feel like if I walked in there, I would need the, I would need guardrails or handrails so that I wouldn't fall over from disorientation. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely uh, claustrophobia, even though it's three kilometers across. It would be weird. It'd be disorienting. I mean, like, even, like, the Google Cardboard thing, which is as close as I've gone to putting on a VR headset, it just is disorienting. I can't, me, yeah, anyway. I can't even imagine. But it would be badass. It's a, so, okay, so this is the movie, the moment when he walks into the distracted globe. This is the moment you see in the movie trailer where... Uh, the, the whole thing is kind of hung in blue and black lighting and he walks in and he looks up and he sees those characters just swirling around above him. That, that scene is the distracted globe. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you already knew that, but just to fill it in, there you go. Uh, that was also one of the most interesting parts of the trailer uh, for me because we did, you know, our whole trailer recap in a previous episode and everything, but uh, the things that came out online, it, you know, just the detail in there is what I look forward to the most. It's going to be like playing Where's Waldo, but everywhere you look is something in- incredibly interesting to see. One of the things somebody pointed out, and I think we brought it up in the in the trailer recap, I can't remember, but like if you look off to the right in the trailer at the bar, Hagar the Horrible <laughs> <laughs> is sitting at the bar. <laughs> And that's just one character. I mean, there's and there's a ton. I can't remember all the others, but I mean, people have freeze framed that part of the trailer and picked out a bunch of different, you know, a bunch of different characters. I don't know if you guys recall any. Well, I think I think the imagery of that is very universal. I mean, everybody likes the idea of walking into a a, a bat and you're dancing weightless. There's something uh, magical or universal that everybody clicks and goes, "That's cool." I mean, dance floor weightless. What else do you need to say? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like in the it's like in the uh, the chapters when they were introducing Ludus and what it was like to go to school there. Uh, when he was talking about like the zero gravity sports that they play and things like that, where it's like this real visual of like, holy shit, you can do anything in this place. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, but yeah, so so I will make a little mention of it. I don't really want to go too far into it, but just before he enters the club, um. He mentions that he's just being screamed at. There are some people that love him. Some people are yelling death threats at him. Some people are, you know, like cheering for him. It's it's just sort of this this mixed bag of of, of reactions to seeing Parzival in real life. 
so he's not there in disguise. He's there as Parzival. He's he's he is there as the celebrity Parzival. Um, but anyways, we don't need to focus on that too much. We, we get into the globe, um, walks in, and uh, I think R2-D2 is just up on stage at this point playing um, the 88 remix of Blue Monday by New Order. Do you do you remember that song? Have you ever heard that that remix? Can't say that I have. Yeah, hope about... I want I want to like like the first thirty seconds of that song, Chris. Uh, when you're listening to this and editing, just play instead of instead of doing the music on the outro, just play the last thirty or the first thirty seconds of the '88 remix of Blue Monday. It's it's equally disorienting. <laughs> there's, a, there, there's a there's just like a million different sounds happening at, at a certain point, and I was listening to it and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It was it was weird. It's it's I mean as the song progresses and everything like that I mean like obviously you can tell it's it's Blue Monday but it was it it's 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 a it's a weird song I can see why he chose it for this scene I can't imagine adding any other sound effects to it though I love the idea of of droid sounds mixed in I thought that was wonderful I think that's brilliant yeah and if you haven't listened to the Star Wars Galactic Funk from 1978 Miko I definitely recommend it you can it's on YouTube. It's it's Star Wars disco with droid sounds. It's, it's super cool. <laughs> I think I have heard that actually, because I think the guys the guys that do the Star Wars Minute podcast, I think they they rotate out songs about uh, songs from that as their intro and that's, outro that's music. That's so cool. Yeah, but uh, so so yeah, the, it, he goes in. They're rocking to that. Um, I think part of the reason that Chris pikered out on us today was not about an update of his computer. I was looking forward to giving him more shit for being a huge Duran Duran fan. Um, you probably remember that from a previous episode, but Chris will say, no, it's my wife. She really likes Duran Duran. I'm here to tell you this guy is a Duraniac. He's a Duranimal. That man is, he's got D- Duran Duran PJs. Guarantee it. He's not here. Um, I thought they were called Durannies or something. Durannies is what they're called. But I, I still think Duraniacs or Duranimals is better. I'm not pulling punches on that. I don't know anybody who is a Duranimal myself, but if they've got a fan club, I want that. I want that brought up in in the next meeting, next <laughs> annual meeting, because Duranis is just sort of, I don't know. It's like it's like calling your fan club the Bostonians or something. You know, what I mean? it's just like it's so. It's like Duranis. Yeah, let's just call it that. It just seems lazy. Plus, you can say you're the Duraniacs. That's what I call it. Anyways. <laughs> So is this a good time to plug uh, one among the fence? Because he did a great job with this. Oh chapter. yeah, let's talk about that fence and his uh, uh, special effects on this chapter. Out of this world. Uh, put at, put the link at the end of this one uh, when you upload this one. Would you, Ryan? Uh yeah yeah I haven't I actually haven't gone to this chapter yet. Does he does he include music and everything like that? Oh, he's, he's, he's got the music and he. He, you have the uh, the droid sounds over the over the music too. It uh, it's wonderfully done. It's oh, worth wow. skipping around to it. Yeah, you I should, think you I should, will. Yeah, listen to it as soon as possible. And all right, in, we'll put a. In fact, if you listen to that chapter first, you'll be hooked to listen to all of uh, all the chapters. I have. I've listened to. I've I've listened to a bunch of them. I think I stopped somewhere around chapter twelve for some reason. But I need to pick it back up. But at any rate, we'll we'll put a we'll put a link to uh, fences fences reimagining of this chapter in the uh, 
in the show notes so that you can take it uh take a look at it uh for those of you who don't know um one among the fans he's he was on our show uh during our community host episode wasn't he on that episode he was i think so uh uh, but he, uh, what he's been doing is he's been taking the audiobook for Ready Player One, and he's been adding background sound to it to the narration, and it is phenomenal. It's it's a really great way to listen to the book. Um, uh, but but anyways, uh, like I said, we'll put a link to that in our notes. Um, next, uh, Parzival goes up to the bar, grabs himself a uh, a drink. What does he grab? Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. That's from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I had, right. I had to look it up. I mean, when I was in secondary school, uh, all my friends were reading Hitchhiker's Guide, and they never told me about it. They never recommended it. So this went right, went right over my head. That's one of the few books that I, I read like on, uh, on paper form that actually made me laugh while reading it. It's, I mean, it's a great book. Yeah, and it ties in too because he's uh, Og also has "Don't Panic" on yep. the front of his uh, his uh, thing, his DJ booth there. I guess that's what it's called. Um, but track switches to uh, Duran Duran, Union of the Snake, and uh, Parzival does something that really reminds me of Hudson Hawk here. Where do you remember when Hudson Hawk was like picking lock or something like that? He would uh, the guy he was with. Did you ever see Hudson Hawk, Bruce Willis? Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. I can- Barely remember even one line. He's like a cat burglar, and, and his uh, his partner would yell something or would say a song, and he would say the album name, the artist, and what year it came out, and then the length of the song. Uh, that has got to. And be, it was like their thing together. That has got to be a reference that Ernie's doing. I would think. I would think. But but you know, I mean, it, it is sort of in line with his character to throw out um, to throw out stuff like that. Um, you know, so so. I, I don't know if it is a time back into Hudson Hawk, but if it is, I'm pretty happy about it because I love that movie. I, I freaking love that movie. Um, at that point, we've got uh, Artemis swinging up, saying, Not bad, Ace. Because she overhears him reciting the uh, chapter and verse of Duran Duran. And uh, there she is, decked out in front of him with a page boy haircut and a blue dress that looks like it was spray painted on. His words, not mine. <laughs> and this is sort of the beginning of an equal parts, I think, sort of touching and and sort of uh, <laughs> we'll get into it. But but anyways, at this it was at this moment that I had this like sort of I, w- I was sort of surprised about the setting like Og's throwing a party where people are dancing. Wouldn't it be more? in line with the story to instead of having it at this like giant globe and this just techno party, I would think that it would be in like a high school gym. Oh yeah. That would, that would be so actually, you know what? That might be more of a thing that, um, how they would have done. Sure. But I mean, for for the purposes of the story, for the story, Ernest Klein is writing. I mean, this scene Seems like something that could happen like at a punch bowl or near a locker or something like that. And plus, this, you know, what we're about to see when the Sixers bust in through the roof of the globe, how much cooler would that have been to, like, see that in a high school? <laughs> you know, where all of a sudden it's just like there's a, this, 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 this galactic battle inside, inside of a high school. It'd just be, I, I don't know. 
just that setting, it just seems like it would be really funny and just kind of bizarre to see. But 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 I don't know. This whole scene kind of reminds me of 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 a moment between two people at like a high school gym. You know? Yeah, it's an intimate. It's an intimate scene. Yeah, and I gotta say, the dancing scene is one of the weirdest fucking things I have ever read in my life. I, I don't know why. I just like the whole time I read it, I was reading it. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it, it's first of all, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say this as I'm sure it's not a surprise, but I'm not a dancing type person, but I understand why some people get a kick out of it, but I don't see that, uh, that uh, I just don't see that desire being fulfilled by whatever people are doing in this particular club, especially when we get into all the detail about how Parzival is using software and they're doing all the shape shifting. It, it, it doesn't seem at all like what a, someone who really enjoys dancing, I don't see them having any enjoyment out of it. It seems more like something you'd want to watch, not participate in. Right. And he doesn't, I mean, he clearly doesn't enjoy dancing. And but, but just like like she turns into a mermaid for a second, and yeah, then she why? like speeds off to the, and then she turns into a blob, <laughs> and he starts looking like Plastic Man on LSD. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is happening here? It's just yeah. so bizarre. Like like, and it just it's very out of place in this scene. When like like you could have had like you know like and especially conspicuously. I would say missing from this book. I'm pretty sure it's missing. If 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 I'm wrong, someone will correct me. I guarantee it. But I don't think there's any reference to dirty dancing anywhere in the book, mm. which is sort of a crime because that movie was as much defining of the '80s as any other movie that takes place in the '50s, right? I think so. Or or just a line from the movie would be fine. Uh, no, uh, nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah. There are no corners in the distracted globe. <laughs> that's, why it, that's why it would work. <laughs> that is a good point. There are no there's no corners to put baby in in the distracted globe, but there's plenty of dancing to be done. I mean, but you could have done you could have done like like I, I'm surprised he didn't turn that into a point of just like throwing in references where like. Uh, like from flash dance, like she pulls on something and like a bunch of water falls down on her. <laughs> like, you know, stupid shit like that. Yeah. There should have been some NPC dancers from all oh, kinds yeah. of 80s movies in there. And like Pee Wee hops up on the, uh, hops up on the bar, <laughs> yep. does the tequila dance. Oh, he's already uh, dressed uh, for it. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. It would have been perfect. <laughs> or, he's um, wearing the bonsai suit. He's doing the Pee Wee. Uh, oh, fuck. He could have said to to, to Artie, uh, "You're a maniac." <laughs> if if Ernest Klein, if you're listening, <laughs> that would have been awesome. But anyways, we can yeah, hope so, it's in so, the movie. Yeah, but instead we get uh, they they turn themselves into a giant, like you said, like a lava lamp. It's just a bizarre, weird scene, um, and and that leads to you know next we we go into I mean. What I would say is probably the the quintessential '80s love song. I mean, there are more, but I mean, "Time After Time" by Cyndi Lauper. I think is I think Cyndi Lauper is probably pretty closely connected with anybody who's into Spielberg movies and things like that, just because of her involvement with the Goonies. Well, 
I was, she holds a special place. I, I, as you guys know, I'm old, and I want to tell everybody, Cindy Lauper was huge uh, in the 80s. I mean, big, 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 big star. So I think Ernie chose perfectly. Not to reference her would be a, a mistake. So she's perfect. I thought I thought it was perfect to put her song in here. Yeah, and it reinforces the high school dance kind of thing. Because I, 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 I mean, I went to high school in the in the 90s, and I'm pretty sure that that played at every high school dance I was at. You went to high school dances? I didn't. Me either. You didn't, you didn't go to any? <laughs> Why not? It, if they occurred, uh, the, I was not invited or didn't want to go or just knew that if I showed up, it would have been bad. Oh, man. <laughs> I always went with my friends. Oh, I had dates. Uh, that, uh, you needed to have friends to go to those things. I uh, didn't have those either. That was the trick. <laughs> I didn't get the memo about having friends. <laughs> get to the good part. A Ready Player One podcast. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, so so this is a this is a you know built out to be a pretty touching moment. They go into like a slow dance and they mention here this is kind of cool and I love this concept for the distracted globe. They brought he brought it up sort of before. But in addition to mixing the music, Og is controlling the spin of this sphere that's around them, which seems fucking dangerous if you're standing on the sidelines. If you're sitting at the bar and you're just kind of strapped in, it'd be like riding the Gravitron while getting drunk. Like a horrible combination. <laughs> but but yeah, like the, but, but everything starts spinning counterclockwise, which gives like the illusion that everything's kind of like spinning around them. They're like specks in a snow globe. And, you know, I mean, it's a, it's one of those very romantic moments. And then Wade, as is his character, puts his foot in his mouth, screws it all up by saying, I'm in love with you, which he should know is probably a bridge too far, right? <laughs> well, he should. He's very learned in the 80s movies. It's... It never works. But, but I mean, he should, but he knows Artemis. You know, Artemis... Would, he should have known her reaction to that was not going to be was not going to be positive, right? I mean, literally one chapter ago. I mean, I, I realize there's been time that's passed since the beginning of the last chapter, and now because they went through that whole like dating phase and all that kind of thing. But he should have known that, and and I'm sure a lot of their conversations probably seemed really similar to what they had at the beginning of the last one. Um, it seems like, you know, they've lightened up around each other at the beginning of this. They're actually dancing together. But then to come out and say, I love you right there. And, and, and you know, it just seems odd. It seemed yeah. like a bad idea. I, I would say he should have known it was a bad idea. Or at least had maybe a hint of it being a b- bad idea. But I would also say that she should have known it was going to come at some point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, sure. she's... Uh, we talked about this in the previous chapter about, you know, what his or his lack of being uh, taught how to properly interact with other people. And so his only external influence on how to deal with these situations are through these pop culture references that he's been studying for five years. Right. So sure. uh, in some ways, he was conditioned inadvertently by all these movies and uh, books and all that stuff from that time period of what he was going to do and he was going to fuck it up. Uh, but equally so, Artemis has seen, 
you know, tons and tons of these tropes being played out in films uh, and the TV shows from that era, that how could she not know that he was one day going to blurt something out like that or fall in love with her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I have to say. <laughs> right. But I mean, and that's why I don't think that her, her response wasn't that it wasn't, it wasn't outrageous. No, it wasn't outrageous, you know, but uh, it does say that, you know, she, uh, she looked at him in shock. Yeah. And that's what bothers me is that like, I don't think she should have been shocked. I think she should have been like, Oh crap! This is happening now. Yeah, oh shit! Uh, let's talk. I, I saw oh, this coming. Boy, time time to break this poor kid's heart. Oh. Private, private chat. Come on. <laughs> Here <Yeah>. we go. <laughs> How awesome is it that you could go into like a club scene and just be like, "Yeah, let's private channel this shit." Fuck yeah! How many times have you been out to dinner with people or something like that, and you wanted to tell your wife like, "Hey." uh, as soon as we get a break in the conversation, let's get the check and just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, could you imagine? It'd be like telekinetically just like communicating with somebody. There is so resourceful. It's the most useful thing in the world. <laughs> See, I, and I just thought of this now. Like one of the benefits of the Oasis in this situation, you're at this like club, hit the mute button. So you don't have to listen to that shit. You could actually hear people talk. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great option. It's like, it's uh, the conversation I would love option. that in the real world. So just mute everybody around you except for the two of you? Yeah, or at least turn the volume down. I mean, <laughs> I mean we've all been at places that it's, it's just a little too loud. That's, yeah. But I feel like that's why you go to a place like that, right? I mean, you're I there for what, like the dancing and the normal booming. people go to those places for, but not me. <laughs> I'm here to stew and drink my whiskey. Fuck yeah, I'm going to drink my whiskey. Oh, I don't usually get my whiskey out anymore, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly not from a place like the Distracted Globe. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But they, uh, they've, they've, they probably have whatever you could possibly want, right? Yeah, and I, I wonder, this... like, so when he goes and gets his Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster, and she gets her Glen Morangy on the rocks, are, it, does their credit count get a little bit lower? <laughs> are they paying know. for these things? Can they taste it? <laughs> can they taste it? Maybe they can. Uh, yeah, maybe there's some type of um, haptic device that can give you some sensation other than holding the glass. Well, they've got the smell one, the smell tower. That, that's not till later. That's not till later, but it's not. We'll, 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 let's allow it because I, I think it, it's got a place it. in this conversation. How could you simulate taste in the Oasis? I mean, he mentions that, like, if you go, like, remember, uh, like, you, if you go to restaurants or things like that, you can order food and it'll show up at your door, but it's not necessarily. You know, like you, you you can't eat pizza in the oasis. So I don't know how that works. It didn't really get fleshed out. Yeah, it's a good visual, but well, I mean, like it. It's just kind of funny how it's it's pure flair. The idea of ordering a drink at this bar. Mm -hmm. It's all for show. Yeah. What What does Glen Morangy smell like? Ooh, what does Glen Morangy smell like? Well, that's a that's a complicated question because it can be kind of different for everybody. Um, if you, if you read the Glen Morangy tasting notes, they, they mentioned that it, uh, it has a nose of, uh, citrus and peach. Um, I get more of a sour apple and 
honey nose to it. Honey, um, definitely. And um, they also mentioned vanilla, which I think is more on the uh, palate than the aroma for me. But it, it is it is a typical uh, Highland single malt. It's got a uh, it's got that profile, uh, very fruity, and uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful dram. I've I've been drinking this one for quite a few years, but I was saving opening the bottle that I had for this podcast. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Yeah, good stuff. Oh man. But uh so so yeah, we don't know if we can they can taste it or not. Um but I'll bet he wish he was tasting some real alcohol okay. right now because he is uh he is hearing some pretty bad news. Um he, he's getting his uh his his heart stomped on right now. Uh, yeah, and his reaction to it makes me feel uncomfortable. I, I don't oh, know yeah. of a better way to say it, but like when I read this part, I get really uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he just comes across like so whiny and uh, literally starts crying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my God. I mean, we know he has zero game whatsoever. Yeah, like he just yeah he doesn't know how to deal with the situation. But he, if he blew it, you know, ever, like in the conversation, the text messaging conversation that we have of them, if he blew it there, he just, oh man. But it's like, it, it also, it's just like, you've known, you've, you've, you, you know, this, 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 this person, you know why she's telling you she doesn't, she doesn't feel that way about you. It's not because you've never had a girlfriend or because you're a virgin. Like that that part I was just like, really, man? Oh yeah. Like that, what the fuck are you a... talking about? <laughs> like it's just so weird. And he's so disconnected from it. Like he he assumes that it's some deficiency on his end. You know what I mean? And, and that I, I I don't know if that's where it comes from or Well it, is he blaming just... it on his deficiencies or her perception of or what he thinks is her perception of his deficiencies? Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it it comes off really awkward, and yeah, you know, I mean, in some ways, you kind of have to give her some kudos for handling it as I think as good as anyone could in that situation. Yeah, because it could have been a lot worse. Oh yeah, it could have been a whole lot worse, and he's certainly primed and ready to make it a whole lot worse. Yeah, he was. It's, uh... it's kind of like thank God the Sixers like crashed the party at that moment because it would <laughs> no shit. Uh, if, oh my if God. ever there was, if ever there was an explosion that that was welcome, Jesus. I mean, yeah, it's either it's either the Sixers coming in or she's bl- uh, blasting her way out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They never really clarified that. It's like, fuck! I gotta get the hell out of here. Where's the I'm door? <laughs> and then it's like, I don't know where the door is. Everywhere looks the same. <laughs> There's no, there's no corner. She's hitting, she's just hitting a beacon that calls the Sixers. Like, please, just come and fucking take me out. <laughs> this is the worst. But yeah, so we've already spoiled it. But at this moment, boom, the Sixers blast in through the top of the distracted globe, and on mass, just begin to start attacking, um, the 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 people there for Og's birthday. Uh, you would have to imagine that this is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of Sixers, but this has to be like the, the, the most elite people of the Oasis, right? 
if they're being invited to his birthday, this is an invite only kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. The, the difference between the people inside the distracted globe and the outside, two different, two different worlds. But it's just like that, like the Sixers come in and I, I don't know, I guess this goes understated because it doesn't really say what types of guests the rest of them are. But we know at least five of the people invited were the best Gunters in the world. And at least two of them showed up. So you would have to imagine that if there were like, you know, Oasis athletes, if there were, you know, competitive players and things like that, you know, I mean, you would have to imagine that this would have to be a pretty elite set of people within the Oasis. It does say in the beginning of the chapter that it would be uh, celebrities, including movie stars, musicians, and uh, the two members of the high five. So we know that it's at least that type of celebrity. Sure. But but you can you would think that they would be loaded down too, right? If they're going into a PvP zone, you'd think. And they would have that. They would have the capital to be pretty well, pretty well armed. I'm just saying it's not. You know, I mean, they're not going into like your typical swarm of just like regular avatars. You know what I mean? There's going to be some firepower at a place like that. So they know they're running up against pretty heavy resistance. But I think in the book they even outline that the reason that they're there is just to take out the two of them. And they don't care what it costs them as far as personnel, right? Yeah. This, this kind of reminds me when we talked about, like, what, you, you know, strategies for uh, um, being in the Tomb of Horrors and all these high-level Gunthers getting killed and, like, the just the load of, of uh, the bounty of, you know, things you could pick up from all these dead avatars when they lose all their possessions. Oh, yeah. It, like, so... So what do these movie stars have in the way of artifacts and uh, other magical items? Yeah. Because you know that they're wealthy. (laughs) They can afford the expensive stuff. But the demonstration of power, whatever, whatever artifacts they might have on them, pales in comparison to the creator of the Oasis. Because before much shit can go down, Og stands up, calls the Sixers jerks, and (laughs) releases some lightning from his hands that goes through arcs around everybody who's not a sixer and takes out and just vaporizes every sixer in, in the joint. Um, I thought it was so funny that he calls them jerks. It's just like of all the things you can say, if you're, you've, you are the voice of God in this moment and, and he calls them jerks. It just seemed funny to me. Every time I read it, it, it makes me laugh. I don't know what else you call them, but hmm. what would you yeah. call them? Dickheads. <laughs> I guess I, that, that it's accurate to call them jerks. Yeah. They're not the well, warmest he, people in the world. He is 73. Yeah. Well, okay. 73 having been, you know, grow, he grew up in the eighties. So I guess, yeah, there's, there's a difference there. Well, I have, he a- was, I'm thinking you got like, you, you automatically think in context to your own time. So like, what would a 73 year old man say? Pretty much, because like I feel like it doesn't really matter. Like when when you grow up, you get to a certain point, and your insult vocabulary starts to dwindle a little bit. Yeah, I guess if it were like a seventy three year old right now, he'd just stand up and say, "You call me bastards, yeah, you whippersnappers." Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, fun to imagine though. Uh, but yeah, so Og pretty quickly just takes care of the problem, knocks them all out. And uh, Artemis is, or at that point, you know, after a, a quick little battle, I think uh, Wade has time to take a few out with his his blasters. 
But uh, after everything dies down uh, amidst the chaos, Wade kind of looks around and sees that Artemis is exiting and heading f- toward the newly opened uh, exit created by the Sixers coming into the distracted globe and uh, briefly gives a look back here, which uh, to me is that moment of you telling me there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't really talk about that, but when she looks back, he's probably like, "Uh, so it's not over. It's just any, any inch you give this kid, he's going to take it in the pursuit of this poor girl. (laughs) And uh, that's, that's basically where uh, the on kicks the music back on, and that's where we end the chapter. I mean, it's the entire chapter takes place in this distracted globe. Um, it's the only time we see it in the book, uh, but it's it's an interesting piece, and it's 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 very telling of I think how how people you know appreciate the world building in the book, especially in this chapter that. It, it does seem to be a feature in the movie and it's featured pretty heavily in the trailer. Cause when you do read it and you hear about this place, it's like, man, that sounds cool. I, yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. I think we talked about at one point at the beginning of the, toward the beginning of the book, it was either Chris, Chris and I, or it might've been during the community host episode. I can't recall really, but which, which setting in the Oasis in the book, up to that point, or at any point, would you want to see in the movie? Were you most excited to see in the movie? Mine was H's basement, mm. and uh, I think Chris's was the distracted globe. But I would, I would, I would, I would venture a guess that a lot of people would choose the, the distracted globe. It it does kind of lend itself to being just the most uh, unique space that's described to us. Um. Because everything else is derivative of some other 80s reference, but this is actually relatively original compared to everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, it's just going to be this visual orgasm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think it might be, uh, for me, a little difficult to, to watch in the in 3D IMAX, but uh, I'm going to give it a whirl just because fuck it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't it Zach Penn? that tweeted the other day that you have to see it in 3d. Yeah. Like that's going to be the best way to see it. I I'm, I'm going to see it in 3d. Me too. I'm going f- full on, man. Just I'll probably end up seeing it in 3d twice. <laughs> it's going to be good. Everybody calm down. You know I mean? It, it's just, it seems like every now and again, it just ramps up where people start talking. I've, I've been seeing, I've been seeing this a lot lately too. Just, you know, is it going to suck? Is it going to be bad? It's not going to be like the book. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's going to be a good movie. Without, you know, without context of the book, it's going to be a fun movie to watch. Go into it with that same mindset. You know, the same mindset you had if you liked this book. Go into it with just the intent of, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to have a fucking blast. And as long as you set your expectations accordingly, it's going to be, it's going to be an awesome ride. Yeah. It's going to be a Steven Spielberg movie regardless of what you think of the book. Yeah. I, I'm very excited for it. I think I've gotten over the whole, it's not going to be like the book thing. Yeah. And in some ways I, I, I think I can appreciate that a little bit more and that the more I think about it, because it will be a new ready player one experience. And which is not something I've been able to do, especially after you've read the book over 25 times. <laughs> 
so I, I'm looking forward to it for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I think every day I get just a you know more excited. Me too. Me too. Me three. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's it for the chapter. Um, while you get while, while we're here, uh, Goff, do you have anything that you wanted to bring up? Oh, about about this chapter or anything? I, I want chapter, the I book, the say, movie, anything. When, when Og is is has this red lightning shooting. Is Red Lightning a reference to any special uh, monster or weapon? Because we we know the Mecha Godzilla has blue lightning, uh, but I want to know if the Red Lightning was a reference to uh, anything. I wonder if it's from Howard the Duck or or um, a Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, does it come from somewhere? If anybody knows, let me know. I was gonna say I was gonna say Lopan, but I couldn't remember if his if he had light Red Lightning. That's from that's from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's I'm, I'm, I'm doing that research right now, and I can't solve it. Howard the Duck. God, I haven't seen that movie in years. But the Jeffrey Jones when he becomes yeah. possessed. I forget what color the lightning or stuff that comes off of his uh, body is. Wasn't he the bad guy in the Golden Child too? Ooh, that Eddie I remember Murphy that. movie. Ah, good one. And I think he becomes. I think he turns into like a fucking dragon or something at the end of the movie. I don't remember Red Lightning, though. Huh. I would have been satisfied. Something to think about. Even if you said, Grease Lightning came out of my fingers. That'd be great. <laughs> that, that'd be all right. <laughs> well, hey, if you're out there listening and you've got an answer to that question, you know, uh, to you it may be obvious. To us, it's slipping right past our minds. Those are our guesses. But if you think of anything, feel free to get a hold of us and let us know. Um, Aaron, you were, you were telling me there was something we, we wanted to talk about so bad during our level one discussion. And we glossed over it entirely from chapter 17. That's right. Yeah. So from chapter 17, what I wanted to mention, but we kind of got, um, we got caught up in other discussions, but, uh, when the chat log between, uh, Parzival and Artemis ends, uh, I was doing some, you know, some looking around to see if there's any significance to, uh, the time at which the chat log ended, because I mean, the date's the date. There's not going to be much to really delve into that. So it end. the chat log ended at 02-5138 OST. So 2.51 in the morning uh, on February 27, 2045. So I started looking at those numbers. And one of the first hits that came back to me was uh, about uh, hex colors. So I, looked up, I was like, well, what's hex color 025138? And if you go look it up, it's described as a very dark cyan or lime green, like the jade key. <laughs> and if you if you search for those numbers and look it up, uh, you know, while we're talking here, you'll see there's like, holy crap, that's that looks like it could be the color of the jade key. And I thought that was pretty neat. It would be it would be an odd it would be an odd sort of connection, I think. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it could very well be what, you know, that it was intentional, but it would just be like, it, 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 you like to think about that kind of stuff. Like it would be, I guess I'm saying it's like a weird coincidence. It yeah. would be odd if it was just completely accidental, I think. Uh, and it's Easter eggs. I mean, the whole book is about Easter eggs. Yeah. So of course it's going to shove a few in there that like, you know, I think with like a deeper read, you're going to look at, you know, but anyways. Um, anything else to add, guys? Uh, do we want to ask uh, people to 
maybe like tweet at us with what they would order at the Distracted Globe or something. Oh, something yeah. like that. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. If it, what would you order? What would be your your big movie drink? Or if you if you were to connect it with anything else, if you were at the Distracted Globe and you were just ordering a drink just for you know purely for the look of it, because we've <laughs> we've pretty much uh, concluded that that's what it's for. Uh, what would be your drink of choice? So uh, get hold of us on Twitter, Facebook, or uh, on the Ready Player One subreddit, and uh, let us know what your drink would be. And uh, if we see it on there, we might read it on the show next time. We want to create a hashtag like My Oasis Drink. Sure. Or... Ah. Yeah. Let's do. Yeah. Let's do that. Do you want to do My Oasis Drink or My Distracted Globe Drink? I think I yeah. think Oasis Drink is shorter and easier to remember. Oh. What do you think? Okay, yeah. Hashtag my oasis drink, and share with us what your drink's gonna be. All right. Well, that's it for us. We get to the good part this week. Till next time. My name is Ryan. I'm Aaron. This is Goth. So long, folks. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>